You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, presenting interviews with famous, fascinating, influential personalities from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. I think that most people believe that my dad was just sort of a mousy kind of guy who thought he was a James Bond, and he was extremely intelligent, and he and he could pull off the James Bond because he just seemed to have that ability. He was a pretty evil man. Her father was a notorious spy. Laura Walker, today on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. How would it make you feel if you woke up one morning and realized your father was a traitor to his country? Unfortunately, that was more than just a rhetorical question for Laura Walker, whose father, John Walker Jr., is considered one of the most notorious and most dangerous spies in American history. By the time he was caught in the mid-1980s, John Walker Jr. had been spying for the Soviet Union for over 20 years. Even brought his son Michael into the Walker family spy ring, as it became known. And he tried to recruit his daughter, Laura, into his spy ring as well after she joined the military. But it was only after she tipped off authorities to what was going on that her father and her brother were caught. In 1988, Laura Walker wrote a book about her father called Daughter of Deceit. And that's when I had a chance to meet her. So here now, from 1988, Laura Walker. I wrote the book because... A, a lot of people had questions, and it wasn't always easy to answer. It's a very complicated story. It spans many years. Uh, there's lots of intricate little interweavings. And B, um, and I probably B is the primary reason, is that I felt everyone has a story. And some people have gone through things great to a greater degree than others. And I really wanted people to be able to relate to me and to say, yes, I can understand I felt that way. And then hopefully they would find hope in their life like I have in mine. You know, I must say it really makes the problems of households seem minor by comparison with some of the things that you went through, the tragedies and the, the, the agonies that you went through, the, the, the horrible years of your childhood. Uh, it makes every parent, I think, think very long and very hard about the effects of what they do on their young children. No, I certainly hope so. What do we not know about John Walker Jr. that you would like us to know about him? I think that most people believe that my dad um, was just sort of a mousy kind of guy who who thought he was a James Bond. And they sort of, uh, it's they give him sort of an understated character. And that is not him at all. He really is a tyrant of the highest order. Appearance means nothing. It's really character that counts. And he was extremely intelligent, and he and he could pull off the James Bond because he just seemed to have that ability. Um, he was a pretty evil man. I, it's funny you use that word because I was just going to... Pete Early, when he was sitting here just a few weeks ago, told me very earnestly that he said after 160 hours of sitting in prison talking with your father, he said that he's probably the closest person he's ever come to personifying evil. Whatever whatever evil is, I guess, the, the, the way you define it. And I thought, my gosh, how can you call someone evil? I think evil, if I had to define it, would be actions that are completely without remorse. I mean, without remorse. Um, when we think of 
people who have done things wrong, I I always have to believe that there's got to be some shred of of regret. But there are those who are not at all regretful of what they've done. And I would have to say that my dad is that way. He and not only did he not want to take responsibility, but he blamed everyone else for what went wrong and he just had a warped sense of thinking. Can any human being be evil? Is there not that shred of remorse? Is, is there perhaps, is he emotionally ill? Is he mentally ill? I think to say he was mentally ill was, would be to insult those who really are. He's not mentally ill. He's just, I think he's spiritually ill. Just a sort of, I think that you can't, uh, there are people, I have met them, who are evil, and it's most frightening because, especially when you discover that they were being deceitful to you all along and you thought they cared about you and then suddenly they unmask themselves and you see the demon inside. It's really frightening. And that's what my dad is like. One of the most moving parts of your book, I think, for me was was when you decided to enlist and your father suddenly displayed the affection that you'd longed for all those years. And then to realize later that he wasn't interested in you. He was just interested in what kind of information he could get from you. That's right. What a tragic scene. It is. And from reading Pete Early's book, I learned a lot of things about my dad that I didn't know. Because so many of the things in that book are quotes from him. Um, I always suspected that he had planned to recruit me from the beginning. But to hear him say it, from, or to read the words from his own mouth about how he planned it, even years before I was old enough to decide what I was going to do for myself, really hurt. Um, and yet... Although he seemed to be rational in that, I mean, it sort of makes sense when you think about it, even though his plan was evil, it was a well-thought-out plan, um, he would still say things that indicated that he was sort of crazy. Like he'd say, well, I knew my children would never amount to anything. Well, who can decide what a 16-year-old is going to amount to? I hadn't even grown up. I, I had never had an opportunity. So he was really only saying that because... Although he knew what he did was wrong and he didn't want to admit it, he still felt he needed to justify what he had done. So, to, But anyone who would look deep enough would say, wait a minute, that's ridiculous. She was only 16 years old. Um, how can anybody decide that their child's not going to amount to anything at such an early age? Pete told me an interesting story. He said that uh, when Michael uh, confronted your dad and said, were you grooming me to be a spy? Your dad said, whip out your social security card. Oh, yeah. I says, it's 007. He says, that's 007. You were born to be a spy. <laughs> right. And I guess everybody else uh, who got their Social Security cards at that time was also born that's to right. be a spy. <laughs> but I guess your brother bought it. Oh, but how clever, though, of my dad. Uh, you know, you can really uh, convince people of things if, if, if you are slick enough. And my dad was that. He really was a slick man. Was he just... Was he very arrogant? Did he think all those years that he could never get caught? Or did he not care if he got caught? Uh, first of all, I think that he believed there was a possibility that he would get caught, but he felt that he would be invaluable to the United States. After all, he had spied for many years, and um, he, he believed that it would be in the United States' best interest to make him a counter-spy. But as you can see, the United States was not at all interested in doing that. And why not? Because he'd spied for 20 years. All they wanted to know was what he'd given away so that they could undo the damage that he had done. But as far as being arrogant, I think that he exemplified arrogance. He thought that everything he said, thought, and did 
was superior to anyone else. After this short break, the person who was always looming in the background of this spy story. Now back to my 1988 interview with Laura Walker. The greatest part of your book that I found illuminating was, uh, as you described your mother, uh, I'm afraid that with all the attention that's been focused on your father, we have not at all, we, we've known very little about your mother. And there, too, what a tragic story it is. It's just, you know, it, it, I, I think it will break the heart of anybody who reads the book. That's true. I think that what my father did is so well known, and, and people obviously are going to be horrified when they discover what he has done, and, and those who do already know are mortified. But what my mother did is more of a secret crime. Um, people that say to me, my father was an alcoholic or my mother was an alcoholic, is going to receive immediate sympathy from me because I know exactly what that means. But those who never had an alcoholic parent cannot possibly imagine what it's like. It is indescribable to be raised by a parent who is an alcoholic. For, for one thing, a child Im imagines that this is normal for some reason because we don't have any other sphere of influence, and so we think that it's all quite normal. And that's why I think, as I was saying a moment ago, I think most parents, especially parents of young children, will find the most powerful message in here that, that I think for some reason when you become a parent, you, think, you figure, oh, my kid, it won't affect him if I drink or if I do drugs, if I, whatever I'm involved in, gambling, whatever. It's not going to affect the kids, but it does. It does. In the it most does. personal way, it affects the kids. It does, and I think parents of children who are already grown, who realize some of the things that they may have done, I know I will have to do it myself because nobody is perfect. I, my advice is don't be afraid to go to that child and say, your adult child, and say, I'm sorry, I know that was wrong. I can't change it, but I'm sorry. I won't even try to justify it. I can't, but will you forgive me? Um, my mother still tries to justify her behavior to me, and I cannot tell you how much that infuriates me. Don't tell me that you... Um, here's my mother's best line. She says, Laura, I gave it my best shot. And she said that to me for years, and I finally turned to her the other day, and I said, please don't tell me you gave it your best shot. You spent most of your time drunk. If you had been sober, you could have given it your best shot. So please don't tell me you gave it your best shot anymore. So in other words, what I'm trying to say, and I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a counselor, but I would the advice I would give based on my own experiences, don't justify it, just be honest, tell, them, tell your child that you're sorry, and allow that child to forgive you and say, and say gosh, I can't tell you how much that will make the child feel. If my mother would say that to me, I would forgive her. I do now, but I mean, I can't stand the fact that she won't admit it, and my father too. Have you written off your parents? Not my mother, although I can't say we'll ever have a real relationship because the years of drinking have deteriorated her mind, and she'll never be quite right. Uh, as far as my father goes, I haven't written him off. He's written me off, but then he wrote me off years and years and years ago. He almost, it almost sounds like he wrote you off before you were born. He did. He he really did. Well, by that time, he had two children and one on the way. And uh, his selfish nature brought out that the lack of desire for his children. He, it was a responsibility. It wasn't a gift. 
was a burden. Of course, it's a responsibility, but for him, it was a burden. Are there still lots of people who who uh, lash out at you for what they see as here's this this daughter who turned in her husband or <laughs> turned, in her, <laughs> turned in her father uh, just uh, you know for her own selfish reasons and look what she did to him. Yeah, I get that. Um, People say, how could you possibly do it? But then, of course, when you read the book, you realize that my decision, I had to make a decision between my son and my father. Now, I don't know about you, but I think it's a lot easier to choose the side of an innocent child than a man who never gave me the time of day anyway. I think everyone will wonder, and you probably ask yourself this every morning when you get up, Given your background, how do you know that you're raising Chris properly? I think about that every day. You're right. Uh, Usually I think about it when I go to bed at night because then, of course, the day has ended and I think about what I may have done or said. And I am not perfect. There's times when I do things wrong when it comes to raising my son. And I know that. And I almost wish that I could just accept that and say, I know I'm not perfect Tomorrow I'll try to do better, but it's so much worse because I know how it affected me. So I grieve about it, and I go to bed. I go to sleep crying at night thinking about some of the things that I have done that would hurt my son, getting angry too suddenly, being impatient, all of the normal things that parents go through. And yet for me, it's so much harder to deal with. So you're right. I do think about it frequently. You're probably very hard on yourself because of that. I may be. (laughs) And then, of course, all I can see is that I'm behaving just like my parents. Sometimes I I think, oh, Lord, I'm acting just like my mom or just like my dad. Will anyone be surprised, do you suppose, that you draw your strength from the Lord? Some people aren't at all. In fact, when they hear that I'm a Christian, they say, ah, that's it. I knew. I knew there was something. So, no, there are people that are not surprised at all. But I would imagine some people will be reading through that and they say, hey, here's this juicy insider story <laughs> that she wrote just to get the royalty money, I'll bet. And then they get to the part and they say, oh, no, it's a religious book. <laughs> In many ways, I tried to write it so that it wouldn't be a religious book, but that it would be a book of experience, spiritual as well as, as uh, you know, experiences of having lived on this earth. Um, I... In am in no way trying to evangelize the world. And how could I possibly be equipped or capable of doing that? I'm not really fit to be an evangelist. But I will say what I've gone through, and I'll tell it like it was. And I, I know that some people are going to think it's absolutely ridiculous or that it, it's something that they won't believe, but that's not the purpose for writing the book. 36 years ago this week, when John Walker Jr. was sentenced to life in prison for his espionage. He died in a federal prison in 2014 at the age of 77. And you can find easy Amazon links to Laura Walker's book at our website, heardeverything.com. Would you do me a favor? If you like today's episode, would you tell a friend about Now I've Heard Everything? We post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, as we mark Halloween weekend, a conversation with the author of one of the scariest books, which became one of the scariest movies of all time, my 2013 interview with the author of The Exorcist, William Peter Blatty. It's as if I had landed on the planet with the manuscript of of The Exorcist under my arm. It wiped out my entire previous history. Comedy? (laughs) Blatty? Ah! (laughs) 
That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson.